Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Thank you. It's wonderful being being up here with you after having to be away for a couple of weeks. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in, in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but I appreciate so much the the love, the prayers, the encouragement, uh, the kindness. Uh, uh, y'all y'all are great. You really are. Um, I, and I love this this video just because. Um, uh, seeing Caroline Culver up there, and, and those of us who've been in this church a while watched little Caroline grow up. She's not little Caroline anymore. And just seeing all that God's doing in and through her, seeing, seeing the kind of things that are happening with uh, a lot of folks in our lives. And, and, uh, but I love how God works in our teens. So in our Summer Kids Club, we have over 100 teens who love to help, who love to be a part of that, that are huge, make a difference. A whole bunch of them are leaving tomorrow for Camp Eagle. And I'm praying God will do more and more in their lives and help grow them and encourage them and nurture them. And I know many of you will too because there's so much in this world that pulls us away and, and, and distracts them or says this isn't a big deal. And one of the big dangers in life, in all of our lives, I, I, I'm, com- I'm committed, I'm convinced, is that we get complacent or we get stuck or we're just... We're just naive about things, especially our spiritual journeys. And, and a combination of events in my life over the last couple of three months and a, and a scripture that I actually read on May 26, I'll tell you about it more in a minute, have come together in ways, I, if you would have asked me three months ago, I would have never imagined. This was never in my plans. This was never what I expected to happen. But it all began back on May 4th. Uh, I was, for a couple of weeks, been having a crick in my neck uh, which sounds pretty old school, but it started getting kind of a, a stabbing pain. And so I went to the, to the doctor, the chiropractor, and immediately the chiropractor sent me off to have an x-ray done. And so I'm, I come in the next day, and I'm expecting them to tell me, okay, here's how we're going to treat you. But instead, they, they're kind of quiet, and they're a little bit concerned, and they show me this x-ray. Now, this is me, and, and you, as you can see, I'm a little bit of a blockhead, and... Uh, uh, ribs and all that kind of stuff. And what I want you to notice, though, is this right here. This is my esophagus. Do you see it doesn't do this? This is what yours does. This is what mine did. There was a curve there. There is a curve. Well, there was a curve there. And the, 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 the chiropractor wasn't sure, but I could tell from the way she was talking, this wasn't good. This was not good at all. And so they didn't even do anything. They said, okay, we want you to go back and get another x-ray and, in fact, an MRI. So I, I, I don't even stay there. I turn around and go back to the place. I get the x-ray. And then, in order to get an MRI, I have to do that later that evening. And so at, at 9.30 on Thursday evening, I'm going into an MRI machine. I don't know if you, maybe you've had one of those, maybe you haven't. But the thing is, you're in there for 30 or 40, 45 minutes, and it's loud, and you're sitting there. And so I'm thinking as I'm going in, okay, we don't know what's going on. There looks to be some kind of a mass in my chest. Uh, it's possible it's coming out of my lungs, which is very bad. And so I'm going to pray. 
And so I start praying in the MRI machine. And, it, and for a while, my prayers are going great, and I'm praying for my family, and I'm praying for my health. And then for a while, my fears start jumping in there, and I, I start doing the what-ifs, and this could, what if this happens, and do I only have a few weeks or months, and, and how bad it's going to be, and I love my family, and I, I love my church, and how is it going to impact, and, and can we keep doing it, and how is this going to affect, and all kinds of things. And then I'm back again, but, but God, I trust you. And this, this kind of went back and forth over this 30 or 45 minutes. You know, it, what I thought was I was going to be strong and I was going to have these, this wonderful time of prayer. And I did have moments of that, but I also had moments of real concern um, and, 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 and fear. The good news is by midday of the next day, Friday, a radiologist had looked at all these scans and conferred also with my father-in-law, a surgeon, uh, up in East Texas, and they'd come to consensus that the mass was not connected to my lungs, but was in fact growing off of my thyroid. And that immediately gave us relief. Not that it meant all the problems went away, but it, it suddenly meant instead of me needing to go to MD Anderson that afternoon, we could take some time and we could check some of this out. And uh, it, it, was, it was so encouraging. Um, on July 5th, then, I had surgery to remove the mass. Uh, in the process, they discovered that there was cancer in the, the main mass, so they went back and then removed all of my thyroid. I'm going to be on thyroid medicine for the rest of my life, like some of you are. You don't have to raise your hand, but I know I'm not, I'm not there's, there's a number of you out there. And uh, then uh, a few days later, I met with a doctor at MD Anderson, and um, Looking at it, he was encouraging we, there will be some kind of treatment, probably middle fall, something like that. He, he said, this is, this is significant, but it's not urgent. And, and this is something that is fairly treatable. And, and in many cases, it's very treatable. He says, you have two risk factors. One is you're male. And I never knew being male was a risk factor, but I guess it is. The other, he said, was that I was older. He didn't tell me what that meant. I didn't think I was older, but I guess, you know, I've been having this, this discussion in my mind. Okay, am I mid-50s or upper 50s? You know, where do you kind of draw that line? And, and is it, is it mid-50s or is it early 50s? I don't know. But anyway, um, in spite of that, in spite of that, um, the, the doctor it was very encouraging, no percentages, no guarantees, um, we're not out, fully out of the woods. It's going to be a journey. It's going to be a process. He did say that this likely had been growing in my chest for years. It did not just suddenly crop up. And therefore, again, while it's important, it's not urgent to be treated. But here's, here's where it gets interesting. Um, remember, I went in because I had a pain in my neck. Uh, the doctors have said there does not appear to be any obvious connection between the, the, the pain in the neck and the mass. And so, in fact, the week after I had the x-ray, I was already back getting treated for the neck, and that went very well, and I can turn my neck, and I don't have a crick, and it doesn't, it doesn't hurt like it did. But here's the thing. It was by the grace of God that I had a pain in the neck that took me in 
so that they could look at what was going on and discover a mass that was growing inside my chest that would continue to have grown, and at some point, the, the prognosis would have become much, much worse. Then a couple of weeks later in May, May 26th, I'm reading in the morning out of my Bible. I use what's called the Life Journal Reading Plan. Some of you use that. Uh, it's on our, our website under the Find It page. It's right there. You can go, and there's a daily New Testament and Old Testament readings. And the Old Testament on May 26th began in the book of Proverbs. And, and this is my actual, this is not the Bible I usually have up here. This is actually my study Bible. And I, I, I wanted to show you, it's highlighted and colored in and marked and written in. Some of you may be aghast, but the Bible is an instrument God gives us. And he, I think God is perfectly fine with us writing in our Bibles things that can help us or remind us or encourage us. And so I'm reading that day and I'm uh, there's an introduction to Proverbs, and I read the introduction, and then I go into and I start reading Proverbs chapter 1, and this is the second time I've read through this particular Bible uh, in, starting last year, and you know, I saw all this last year, I read all of this last year, and yet it did not click, it did not connect, but in the very first chapter, I started reading something that 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 clicked with my experience. It was one of those moments that I love where in reading God's word, his spirit says all of a sudden, in varying ways for each one of us and in varying situations, he gets our attention. He says, I want you to notice this. Pay attention. Here's something here that matters to your life. And here's, here's what I read. Proverbs 1, beginning in verse 20, says, Wisdom cries aloud on the street. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Now, in the past, from just knowing about Proverbs, I'd always thought that there were two groups of people there. There were the wise people and there were the fools. The wise and the fool. And the Proverbs are about how to live your life wisely. And the fool is the one who doesn't get it, who messes it up. But on that particular day, and I've read through Proverbs many times, on that particular day, in reading the intro material, in reading Proverbs chapter 1, and in, in reflecting on the life I'm living, I suddenly realized there is a third major group in Proverbs. And Proverbs calls them the simple. Or some of your translations say simpleton. And I went back and I reread the introduction. And in fact, I wrote a, a note to myself. Here's my Bible. Here's chapter one. And here I wrote, in, uh, ignorance and complacency are no excuse. Trouble and disaster still come. Choose to be wise. Dangers of simple. And then page 1132 is a few pages back. And that is where the, the notes were on that. And, 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 and it just jumped out at me. Here are the descriptions that I, I discerned and read from there of the three types of persons in Proverbs. First are the wise. These are the ones who embrace God's way in everyday situations. In other words, living God's way is not something that you do just when you walk to church. It's not just something you do when you're in trouble. It's how you live your life day in and day out, and their example is worth following. Proverbs 1.7 earlier in that chapter says the fear of the Lord and fear here means this awe this recognition of someone so amazing so great so awesome that in comparison to them I I don't 
judge, I'm not worthy to stand, and yet I do, and I want to obey and pay attention to him. The, this fear of the Lord, he says, is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. And though fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the, the second group are the fools who oppose God, oppose his ways, and they're dangerous in their influence. But, but the Bible says even they are not beyond hope. And, and sometimes the Bible talks about scoffers as being even worse cases of the fool. Finally, there are the simple. And these are the ones that aren't firmly committed, either to wisdom or to folly, who just kind of rock along in life, who are easily misled. Their trouble is that they fail to apply themselves to themselves, the discipline needed to gain and grow in wisdom. They say, I'm just going to be okay. I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to pay any attention. I hope everything goes well. And the passage is saying that, that in loving to be simple, in being naive, in being complacent, in avoiding being disciplined in our lives, we are setting ourselves up for trouble and less likely, Scripture says, to have God's Spirit be poured out on us. But it gets worse because the passage goes on to say that, that wisdom called out to the simple and called out to the fools and they refused to listen. So God, through his wisdom, warns those who ignore him that hard times will come and he will not be there for their rescue because he's warned them and given them ways to move forward and they've ignored it. They've ignored it. Now, the, the fool flat out refuses to have anything to do with God and either doesn't believe in him or doesn't believe he has anything to offer. The simpleton, the simple, is a different case. And, and here's the thing. As I read this and as I look back on my life, I identify very much with the simple. Here is the, the simple believes, the believe God exists, believe in him, maybe trust him to some degree, but it's naive. Believes there's no hurry. It's no big deal. I'll get around to it when I get around to it. I've got a lot of stuff going on in my life, and so I, I, I'm not going to dig into this very much. I'm not going to see what the consequences are. I'm just going to kind of rock along and, and take it easy, and I'm not going to trust him unless I have to. And this puts the simple in a, in a more dangerous spot than they realize. The story is told about Satan one time calling his demons, his darkest, worst demons together because he really wanted to, to create new attacks on, on men and women here on earth. And so he, he asked them who would go out and, and wreak havoc. And they, many of them raised their hands and he called upon one of them and he said, what will you do if I send you? What will you do to the children of men? And, and the first one says, well, I'll tell them there's, there's no heaven. And Satan says, well, that's not going to work. There's a, there's a little bit of, of heaven in every human heart. that They can see that and they recognize that and they know good. It will someday triumph over evil. You can't go. Then another demon, even darker than the first, raises his hand and Satan points to him. He says, what would you tell him? He said, I will tell them that there is no hell. Again, Satan says, no, they'll never believe that. They have a conscience that, that testifies when they're doing some things right and some things especially wrong, and, and they see the evil in the world around them, and, and they know that there has to be some, some kind of evil in hell. So, no, you can't go. And then the, a third demon raises his hand, and, and he's, he's 
deeper and darker and fouler than any of the others. And, and Satan says, if I send you, what will you say to men and women to help cause the destruction of their souls? And this, this third demon says, I will tell them there is no hurry. And Satan immediately said, go, go, don't wait, go. That's a scary thought to me. There's no hurry. Don't worry about it. You can deal with that later when you get your life in order. You, you can think about God when, when things are going fine. Don't, don't worry about it right now. You're busy. You got a lot of stuff on your plate. Your kids are going through a lot. Your, your workplace is, is challenging right now. You don't need to be distracted by God. There's no hurry. I want to tell you, up until the moment I saw that x-ray, I thought everything was great. Everything's fine. I, 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 and I wasn't doing anything really to routinely check on my health. And I'm not saying we should be hypochondriacs, but we need to be wise about our health, just as, as we need to be wise about our relationships, just as we need to be wise about our work situations, just as we need to be wise about our finances and, and so much more. But when we start taking those things for granted, when we don't dig down, we don't check in on what's really going on, when we're naive and we assume that everything's going to be fine because we're a good person or we're trying hard or we're not as bad as so-and-so or we're, we're doing better than someone else, we set ourselves up for a fall. And as I look back over my life, I, mean, I, I have discovered how often, how easy, how comfortable it has been for me to be naive, to be complacent, to, to take it easy, to get comfortable. I, I mean, I want to tell you, up until about 40, I don't know that I had any real challenges. I think I really lived a very pretty easy life. Now, I didn't think that when I was 39, but looking back I, and the things that have happened since then. And the problem is in that complacency, as the third demon suggested, sooner or later there is going to be a cost. I mean, I, quite honestly, I feel blessed now that I had a pain in the neck. You know? I thought it was awful at the time. It was stabbing. I was, I was having to do it. But you know what? That pain in the neck got me to someone who checked me out. Would I have done that otherwise? No. There's a good chance that, it, that if that had not happened, and, and the doctor's saying, or saying there, there does not appear to be any connection between the pain in the neck and the, and the mass. If that had not happened, I might have gone years before that growth was found. I, I feel good. I, you know, when they told me on, on that Friday that there was a mass and I was going to have to have surgery, I was actually glad. There was an option. There was something that could be done. Because two days before, I didn't think there was anything wrong in the world. And now I'm grateful for surgery. It's amazing how our perspective changes. And, and I feel so blessed that a neck pain helped me discover and get outside of my complacency, get outside of being naive to see the truth. Proverbs continues in verse 29, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple, 
the simple are killed by their turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. I mean, I, I, I felt like God was saying, my physical health experience that I've gone through over these last couple of months is, is actually a metaphor, an image, a picture, a, a symbol of what can happen in our spiritual journeys when we're simple, when we're naive, when we're complacent, when we take God for granted, when we think it, it's no big deal, I don't have to worry about all that stuff right now, I don't need to discipline myself, I don't need to work on my faith. We eat the fruit, the Bible says, though, of our way, of our choices, of our complacency. We can even be killed, at least spiritually, because we listen to Satan's lie that there's no hurry and we never got around maybe even to making a commitment or, or we miss out on the best that life has to offer us because we failed to take our Christian faith journey seriously. I, I mean, I look back, and, I, and, and the reason I'm talking about this and the, and the reason it matters is because I, when I look, reflect back on my life, I keep seeing that pattern in my life of complacency, of naivete. And not because, gosh, I'm stupid. Maybe I am. But rather because I'd rather not deal with it. It may take more effort. It may, I may see some things I don't want to see. I may have to do some things I don't want to do. But one of the most beautiful things about being confronted with our human mortality is it gives us an opportunity to evaluate our lives, our choices. And more than that, it makes me evaluate my life mission. And, I, I, and I have, in these last few weeks, I've increasingly felt like I cannot stand before you and just say, it's okay if you just bounce along simply in your life with Christ. If you just take it for granted, if you just kind of sit back and relax and, and you're not trying and you don't push and, and, and there's no hurry, because I think that is Satan's message. And I don't want, I don't want anyone here to, certainly to be fools, but the reality is being simple is probably a bigger threat for most of us in this room than being outright fools being simple. And I don't want you to experience what God says will happen to those who Proverbs calls simple. The compl complacency is a dangerous place. And, and Jesus warned about it to the church at Laodicea, uh, uh, this very concern. He said, I know all the things you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one of those. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Every time I've read that scripture, to me it is one of the most chilling verses, one of the most graphic pictures in all of scripture. That being lukewarm, that being complacent, that not working on our faith is something that Jesus just doesn't have time for. He's just going to spit us out, spew us out. He's not speaking here to fools or to people we would consider big-time sinners, whatever that is. But he's talking to the lukewarm, to the simple, to the naive, like me. Being wise doesn't mean all our problems go away. 
or, or, or that we're not going to get cancer, or that everything's going to go fine at work, or that, that every relationship I am, I'm in is going to go perfectly. No, none of that. But it does mean that, that we are now dealing with real life as it happens, as it comes, versus hiding from it or denying it or putting it away. And, and we have the opportunity then to dis- discipline ourselves and make the decisions, even the hard decisions that need to be made along the way to experience God's best in this life and experience his joy as we go into eternity. In fact, here's how Jesus put it as he continued talking to the church at Laodicea. He said, I correct and discipline everyone I love. Now, some of you kids in here are thinking that discipline is what your parents do when they don't like you. But let me let you in on a little secret. Discipline you, whether you're 18 or 8 or whatever it may be, disciplining you is no fun. In fact, for most of us parents, we hate doing it. It's one of the hardest things we ever have to do. And in fact, it's so hard that sometimes we refuse to do it because we'd rather be comfortable rather than call you on the carpet for the truth. And so Jesus tells us that correction and discipline is a sign of love. I don't mean abuse, but correction, discipline. And so he says, be diligent and turn from your indifference. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious and will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. The artist Holman Hunt painted this scene. Many of you have seen it before. One of the most famous works uh, uh, that is, shows up in a lot of places, here of Jesus And this is that passage from from Revelation chapter 3. I stand at the door and knock. Two things you ought to notice about this picture. One, these are weeds. This door hasn't been opened very much, very often. But there's something else about that door. And something that those of us who are in the, the Exploring Christianity class learned this week. What do you notice also about the door? What do you see? Or what do you not see? A doorknob. There's no doorknob. Look, none. In fact, when Holman Hunt first painted that, someone said to him, man, that's a beautiful picture, great message, but you made a mistake. You left out the doorknob. He said, no, I didn't. Because Jesus never forces his way into our lives. He stands at the door and knocks. And anyone who answers and opens the door, he will come in. But he doesn't beat it down. He doesn't make you come. He doesn't force himself into your life. And your life right now may be in the middle of complacency or in the middle of hell. And if you're not welcoming him in, he's going to stay there. He's not going to push his way in. Not at all. And so the question is, is he knocking at your door right now? Maybe you haven't made a commitment to Christ. Maybe you've rocked along in life and it's, it's been okay. In fact, maybe it's been pretty good. But how do you know when something's going to change? How do you know when you're going to walk in and that x-ray is going to show you something else? And I've been simple for so long that I don't even know how to turn to him. 
You can do that today. Our prayer team is gonna be down here in just a few minutes. And, and later this afternoon, we're gonna be doing baptisms. And I wanna encourage you to do that. Do Talk to them or go down the hall after this service and talk with them about getting baptized. Because this is not a game. But here's the other, the other group of us, and this is probably more of us, is how many of us welcomed him in one time. We, we let him come in that door, but then over time we got busy. And we started piling up stuff in the front room. And, and we started doing some other things with family. And we got active in, in our, our workplace or in a club. And before long, Jesus, he's there and he's kind of trying to talk, but he just kind of gets pushed further and further out, maybe even to the point where he's standing outside again because we've been complacent, because we just didn't think it mattered, because we thought we could get by. That's, that naive complacency is a dangerous place to be for any of us on our spiritual journey. And maybe today for many of us, he is knocking at the door saying, I would like to come back into more of your life again. I would like to come back, in fact, into some of those rooms you've never let me into in the first place. Not because I'm here to judge you, to condemn you, but because I love you so much that I want to help you through whatever is going on or is going to go on that you haven't even seen yet because you kind of covered your eyes and pretended it didn't happen. What next step do you need to take? Do you need to welcome him in? Do you need to welcome him back in? Again, our prayer team, baptism. And some of us will be out here if you're new and you just want to meet us and talk with us this morning. We're going to do one more fun thing right after this, but let me just pray for us right now. Heavenly Father, wow, you, you stand at the door and knock. And you're, you're God, you're all-powerful, and you could, you could push your way in, but you don't. And sometimes enough good happens that we see you, or enough bad happens that we see you. But sometimes, God, when we're kind of in that middle ground, where we're simple, maybe trying to be blissfully naive, complacent, where we don't really just don't want to give you the time we don't think it's that big a deal father may we hear your knock today and may we let you in deeper into our lives deeper into our hearts we ask this knowing that we may find some things and discover some things we don't like there may be some painful things in our lives that will be exposed there may be some things we're doing wrong we sort of know, but we sort of don't want to know. And you will expose those things, Father. But you will expose them because they are bad. You will expose them because evil wants us there. You will expose them because you love us. And you will walk alongside us wherever we have to go. Father, I thank you that you opened my eyes a cancer in my body. I don't want it. I want to be healed. And I'm thankful for the prayers and support of so many people. But Father, I was, 
I was rocking along and I might not have found that until it was for sure too late. And the same thing happens in our spiritual lives. Help us, Father, to trust you in everything today. In Jesus' name we pray. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.